Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Shannon. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Aaron. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Book Hoarders Anonymous. This is Aaron. And this is Shannon. Um, so we are here to discuss uh, this month's homework with, with you all and give you a new book, talk about what we've been reading, and some interesting things in book news, just like we usually do every month. Um, we did not have any listener mail this month, so that's not going to be uh, part of the podcast. That but, makes me sad. Yeah, I know. Me too. Me too, but I would like to um, discuss what we've been reading. So, well, I don't know. You picked the book. You picked the homework for this month. So, why don't you go first and talk about your reading list? What I was reading. Okay. Well, last time we met, I was suffering from a really serious reading slump, and um, I got out of it. I think after mostly, I think after reading this month's homework, I really felt like that kind of shake shook something loose in my brain. Um, so I've been, I haven't been reading as much as I would like to be, but I'm reading something. Um, but it's, I've been, I've kind of come to accept that like where I'm at in my life is that I don't really want to read anything super dark and angsty. So um, I've been reading a lot of really fluffy historical romances. And there are a couple that I want to mention particularly. One of them is um, Romancing the Duke by Tessa Dare, um, which is part mm -hmm. of, I think the serious conceit is that, like, this old guy leaves these four women that were his goddaughters, random kills in, in England, and, like, there are perpetually problems with that. But in this first book, um, the heroine is the, um, her father wrote fairy tales and sort of, like, children's fantasy novels and that, that were quite popular. And the, the conceit was that like that he was telling these tales to his his daughter who was the heroine um so the heroine's basically grown up in the, the like in the shadow of this this like fandom kind of thing and um she inherits this castle and problem is there's already a guy living there <laughs> and uh he he's yeah i hate when that happens um <laughs> it's a kind of setup that only happens in a romance novel um, but he is, he is a man who has recently lost his sight and that's normally kind of a deal breaker for me, but she, but the author clearly did her research and he comes across as, um, a really like, he worked for me as a, as a person with low vision, um, which was really a pleasant surprise. Cause I was kind of expecting that, that that was going to be a great big train wreck. I didn't want to be a part of. Um, but it's a fun book. It's on Bard. Um, and she's got several others, although it bothers me that the sequel to that book, which has come out, um, they all have, uh, like, they, they're all part of this, like, romance novel trend toward, like, really stupid titles. So the second book is called Say Yes to the Marquess. Oh, God. <laughs> except that, except that, like, they're just clearly what the title is meant to be, but but the author, but the narrator pronounces it, it correctly. So it's so the bard narrator calls it "Say Yes to the Marquis," and it's like, come on, no, like we have to, like we should go with what the joke is. Come on, yeah. Um, 
So I have not read Say Yes to the Marquess yet, but... <laughs> um, and then the other ones I read um, that I want to mention are Season of Temptation, I think is the first one in the series by Teresa Romain, which is on Bookshare. Um, and they are also fairly fluffy Regency set romances. The first one is about um, a, a guy who's engaged to... Uh, one woman and realizes that he's fallen in love with the, with the girl he's engaged to with her sister. And, you know, that presents a problem and there it's, it, it's kind of refreshing because they both genuinely like each other. And it's not one of those relationships where it's like, you know, um, we're going to fight until we kiss and that kind of thing. Um, and so they're very fluffy. They're not, not very high conflict kind of books. And so, you know, if that's the kind of thing you like, I definitely would recommend both of those. And then um, the other book I read recently that I want to mention is um, Death Without Company, which is the second book in Craig Johnson's Walt Longmire books. Um, mm-hmm. And I really like that series. I think that um, Walt Longmire is a really good character and I like that so far I mean I have I've just read the first two but I really like that in the second book there was stuff that that you could go back from the first book and and um see that 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 kind of stuff still affected the characters it wasn't like they you know the end of the 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 first book and everything's reset and people sure people might be shot but in the second book it's like oh yeah it's another day in Cabot Cove and Jessica Fletcher's writing another murder mystery or whatever you know and yeah nobody cares <laughs> Can mm-hmm. make some more muffins or whatever <laughs> um <laughs> so but so that wasn't what happened and, the, and they got some really great characters and and um it's kind of interesting to me because I normally think that I, I normally get a little irritated with the fact that that in a lot of in a lot of books written by men there is a tendency for there to be like, oh, look, she's an attractive woman and she kind of glanced my way. Obviously, it means that she's going to sleep with me by yeah. the end of the book. Um, but I like the Walt Longmire books didn't have that. Uh, they like they ha- he has a lot of that, but it's written in such a way that it that it actually like seems rather charming instead of mm-hmm. <laughs> vaguely sexist. So, um, yeah, Walt Longmire, definitely recommend that. Hmm. Um, the first book is called The Cold Dish, which is probably where you should start. Oh, um, I think I've heard of it now that you mentioned yeah, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they've got, and he's like, they're set in Wyoming, so there's lots of, and I, the author clearly comes from Wyoming, and right. I don't know, although mm-hmm. I have read somewhere that like the geography is wrong, but it felt pretty authentic to me, and not living in Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, whatever, it's fantasy Wyoming. <laughs> it works. Okay. So That's what good. have you been reading? Well, Aaron? I tell you, most of my stuff, it's not about dumpsters, but, um, you know, like last time, all I was reading was um, studying for the bar. And so I, I read into the podcast a, a series, a, an essay fact pattern about dumpsters. Uh, and so now that all of my studying about dumpsters... <laughs> <laughs> weird uh, about law is over with um i i stopped i mean once the exam was over i i spent a couple of days going what should i read like i don't even i don't know what to read and in in the midst of a reading slump i was getting recommendations from my my neighbor and she said well i she likes danielle Steele." so i thought well, what the hell i've never read a danielle Steele book before i'll read one. Oh my god it was horrible ah <laughs> um, I did read one. It was called Leap of Faith because it was just a random choice. It was one of her later books. Maybe her earlier books are better. I don't know. 
Um, and it was about this girl who um, was from France, and she had to emigrate to the U.S. when her parents died. And then when she grows up, she goes back to France thinking she wants to make a home there, settle there. And she gets involved with this guy claiming to be a count, I think. And he basically just, like, um, they get married, they have kids, and he wangles her out of, like, over $5 million of her inheritance. Um, And she realizes that there's something wrong. I mean, he tries to kill her. He's like a total... I don't know, um, tries to kill her and the kids, and is just a crazy maniac, basically. So um, after that happens, um, her American friend that she that wanted to marry her, but he's now engaged to someone else, decides that he still wants to marry her. And the other person he's engaged to just magically disappears from the scene, and they can get married and live happily ever after. Our heroine and her American sweetheart. And it was just like... <sighs> My gosh, can this get over with? I was so bored. Um, so I would not recommend that for a first try at a Daniel Steele book. Uh, but not really being a Daniel Steele aficionado, I can't tell you any good place to start. Um, I do know that she's very popular, though. And, uh, you know, you may like her. I just didn't happen to like that book. And there may be others of hers that are better. And um, if you have any recommendations yeah, totally. to Erin, you could send us some email. <laughs> because I'm perfectly willing to read another one of her books. I'm not saying she's a bad author. I'm just saying that book just did not do it for me. It was too contrived. Um, too contrived for, for me. Uh, the second book that I read um, was called... Uh, it is called Noah by Helen Gunderson Trailer. This is an author that I never had tried before. Um, I actually picked the book because it, it came onto Bard recently, and it's narrated by Jack Fox, who can read like almost anything. And I picked it more for the narrator than for you know the author, because obviously I knew nothing about her. Um, she has written various books about several different religious figures um, throughout the Old and New Testaments of the Christian Bible. And while you can, you know, I don't know whether what she writes is accurate or not, they're sort of like fictionalized biographies, kind of like um, Sarah by Orson Scott Card that we, that I talked about here a couple of years ago, and um, the, the bio, fictionalized biography of Mary Magdalene by um, Margaret George that I uh, talked about a couple of years ago. And um, when I don't know what to read, I either pick one of a book about some kind of fictionalized biography of some kind of historical figure. It doesn't have to be a religious figure. It can be anybody. It could have been Thomas Jefferson. This one just happened to, you know, come up. Or I pick one of the um, first North Americans books by Kathleen and W. Michael Gere. However, uh, I'm running out of those. So so um, I didn't want to pick one of those. And that was the Noah was the historical figure book that came up. Um, it was weird. We had these... Uh, the these Greek gods and goddesses running around, although they were and, and Noah, the civil civilization was part of Atlantis, and the flood was basically the destruction of Atlantis, um, and there was like nuclear power, but people rode horses and there was no electricity. It was very strange. It was like you know she just basically created this society and this. It was very sort of like science fictiony, but with a lot of mythology. Uh, in there. And of course, Noah is being told by God to build an ark and nobody believes him. I mean, it's the whole Bible story that, you know, you've come to expect. Um, but just with the added twist of like these Greek gods and goddesses running around wreaking havoc. I mean, literally, Poseidon is a maniac um, <laughs> wreaking havoc in the world. And um, 
it was kind of, it was very strange. Uh, it was also very short, so I didn't feel like I was wasting too much of my time. Um, I, I do have a couple other books by this author on my to be, you know, to be read list, thinking that maybe they'll get better. But, you know, I'm saving them for another time when I'm not sure what to read. Uh, but we'll see. Um, and the third book that I want to talk about is I have been debating on whether or not to uh, read some Amish fiction. And I've read some Amish fiction that's just horrible. Um, and I just was like, eh. but I want to read a book about, you know, with sort of like simple values and something that has very, kind of like you actually, very mild conflict um, with a happy ending, you know, and, and um, I happened upon another recent addition to Bard by Suzanne Woods Fisher called The Inn at Eagle Hill. And actually, it's like the whole trilogy has been put onto one um, recording. So there's The Inn at Eagle Hill, and then there's like two other books in the in the series. Um, it is narrated by Madeline Bazard, who's really not one of my favorites, but I can stomach her better than uh, our friend Martha. Poor Martha. Mm -hmm. Uh, Poor Martha. So, um, (laughs) but, um, you know, it's not so much like an NPR news report. Um, Ooh, motorcycle. Uh, I know. Anyway, so the first book (laughs) is called The Inn at Eagle Hill, and I just thought it was fantastic. Um, Suzanne Woods Fisher is known for her Amish fiction, uh, and she's written some nonfiction books as well. She's not Amish, but her grandfather was raised Old Order Amish um, in Pennsylvania, and um, she has like a podcast and an app that delivers you an Amish proverb every day, which actually I downloaded. It was kind of cool. Um, and um, just uh, the book was very sweet. It was it was basically about um, a woman named Rose and. She had lived a good part of her life outside of the Amish, old order Amish community, kind of like, you know, with electricity and um, cars and stuff. And her husband um, was raised old order Amish, you know, without all the modern conveniences. And he had uh, made some, he was an investment banker. And he uh, made some really bad investments. He couldn't give back the money that he um, invested after the recession, you know, and so he and his family, um, his wife and his several kids, they went back to live on his mother's farm. And it's the first book is basically about their adjustment to life on the farm after her husband, Rose's husband, mysteriously drowns. Um, so there's sort of like a mystery that extends into the next books because you're like, well, why did he drown? And um, where's the oldest kid? Because he's off causing some kind of mayhem. We don't really know what. He was involved in swindling a bunch of people. We really don't know how, but he's not in it at the moment. But um, the first book is basically about Rose learning to survive on her own because she creates, um, she converts part of the farmhouse into an inn because she has to get some income from somewhere. And the only thing she knows how to do is cook and clean house and, you know, all those homemaker things. And she feels like, well, I could do this, I could run it in. And so she starts it up and basically about all the people that come into her life because she makes this decision. Um, and she meets this really sweet neighbor and, you know, they, they start courting each other and they end up, I think they'll probably get married. And, and her kids also have their own troubles because they're trying to adjust to the Amish life and having more or less success, depending on the kid. Um, and certain people come and stay at the inn that have a very great influence on her life. And she influences them as well um, with her values and the way she lives her life. And I mean, the book got a little bit preachy at times, but I was able to kind of overlook that. Um, it was not stuff like, you must believe in God because God will save you. And it was more like if you have faith, 
and mm-hmm. if you have faith in God and you pray, then things will work out. And that kind of thing, I can tolerate that. Um, so I didn't think it was overly preachy, um, although it did talk about prayer and, you know, going to church and stuff like that. But, you know, that's okay. Um, and I liked it. I, I think I'm going to continue reading the series because, like you, I'm at this point where I don't want anything dark and full of conflict. Um, I'm waiting on my bar results, and so I just want to be kind of as much at an equilibrium as possible over the next few weeks. And um, that those are ba- those are the books I want to talk about. And now that my ramble fest has come to an end, uh, what should we do next? Should we talk about let's, the homework, or should we go to the news? Let's go to the news. <laughs> okay, let's see. Um, here are the books on President Obama's reading list. Um. He's going on a two-week-long vacation with his family, and he brought along a few books for the trip. Uh, some of these books included uh, All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr. It seems like everyone is reading Every- that yes, book. Yes, And I have no desire to read it. Uh, it's, okay. about a bl- it's about a blind person in World War II. I think I'm kind of with you there. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't. Okay. Uh, that one, uh, published by Scribner. Between the World and Me by... Ta- who Tanehisi Coates? I have no idea what that's about. I think that that's a book about he Tanehisi Coates is is has written a lot of stuff about um, like the impact of I, I I believe this I think this is the book where he talks about like the impact of of, of like how slavery just kind of really. Hmm. messed up American society and we're still mm-hmm. kind of dealing with the repercussions of that. Mm-hmm. He's he's an African American writer. Okay. And he's written some really good essays on like African American like huh. okay. lives. So the I sixth, see why President Obama's reading that. The sixth extinction by Elizabeth Colbert, which actually I've been wanting to read, but I haven't yet. The Lowland by Jumba Lahiri. She's written some fantastic stuff. Um uh Pakistani, like Indian slash Pakistani author. Um, actually, she was born here, but her roots are from over there. All That Is by James Salter. Ma, not sure about that one. Um, published by Vintage. Oh, Washington by Ron Sh- Chernow. C-H-E-R-N-O-W. And I think that's about George Washington. <laughs> you would think. Uh, you would think. Okay. Um, and, ha- oh. That's that's it. Happy reading, Mr. President. Um, and, and I also saw on the news where they talked about what he was uh, taking on his iPod over vacation. Um, and, you know, it didn't sound like half that bad, but I don't remember what it was, but it put me in mind of this article. Yeah, I think um, I saw that article, too, like his, his playlist. You can get it from Spotify or something. <laughs> now I have to find this other news story that could not be found um there was also a reading list uh that we will put in our show notes when i find the correct link for it for the wall street um some of the ceos on wall street their top summer reads and i just put it in there because some of them sounded freaking boring <laughs> it was this like people that yeah the people that i want to know what they're reading <laughs> No, well, I mean, like everything that they were reading sounded boring. I'm like, oh, if I'm ever a CEO of a company, I do not. If that's what it does to me, I don't want to be the CEO of a company. Um, and so, you know, it was just in there for some. They should be reading a check that they're about to write to me. Exactly. (laughs) 
<laughs> containing several zeros. <laughs> Ex- absolutely. Um, Family Christian Stores is a set of bookstores. It earned a second chance at success because they were declaring bankruptcy uh, in our interest of discussing um, bookstores. Uh, they had credit- creditors uh, from U.S. and, and bankruptcy um, the U.S. Bankruptcy Court approved an acquisition by one of their subsidiary corporations, with, which technically that doesn't get approved very often, but whatever. Um, and the company's debt load um, was one of the causes. The digital revolution was another cause of their, you know, they, they couldn't figure out how to adapt. So their subsidiary that is um, absorbing them is more into the digital books. And so I guess that's why it was approved. Um, the The chain announced plans to keep the stores open by selling um, their uh, subsidiary stock. Um, and let's see, uh, the judge denied um, some other motions that they had um but fcs investors and creditors uh voted to approve a revised organizational plan last week that included um the sale to their subsidiary company so they will they will be staying open uh good that at least one bookstore's uh bankruptcy has been avoided after you know in light of all these um ebooks um, speaking of selling books, um, this week marked the opening of several unusual bookstore combinations. This was interesting, including a bookstore greenhouse and a tax preparation office slash bookstore. Um, why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? What the heck, right? Colorado's <laughs> Lithic Press also added a bookstore and gallery, while Starlines makes its final preparations for a soft opening in uh, Chattanooga at the end of the month, right across from the Chattanooga Choo Choo. Um, let's see. On Saturday, uh, Ron Vedrosta, Rostek, um, who self published Financially Intact last month through uh, Creative Space, will open a bookstore to um, showcase other indie authors. It will Share space with his tax preparation and financial business. Okie dokie. That's perfectly fine. I I think the greenhouse bookstore is kind of a cool combination. That is a cool combination. Yeah. And and a gallery bookstore. eh. You know what would be really cool is a bookstore and candy store. Yeah. That would be awesome. Ooh, we should open one. I don't know. That might be kind of hard. <laughs> when, when, the, when that CEO gives drops us some fat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And on a lighter note, John Green says he feels like a fraud. Um, he feels like a fraud all the time, he says. Uh, he, he is, of course, the author of Paper Towns. Uh, what is that other one about? The Fault in Our Stars. Yeah, Stars. Really I can never famous. remember that other one. Um, and he's been um, slaying the YA book scene, especially with the recent release of the film adaptation of Paper Towns, which I still have yet to read. Um, and he gets worried occasionally because he says it's been over three years since he's actually written a book. And so there are times when he feels like um, it just doesn't come that easily to him as people would think. He has an army of loyal fans who adore his novels, and, of course, including Taylor freaking Swift. The article says <laughs> that, not me. Um, 
and Taylor's tweet, they have a tweet in here from Taylor Swift uh, talking about how much she, uh, John Green is my favorite writer, says Taylor Swift, and he and he's one of my favorite people. I can't wait to see Paper Towns. That's what pa- Taylor Swift says. Um, in his um, Reddit interview today, he was asked if he ever felt um, like the will to write might just go away and not ever come back. Uh, and he says um, that sometimes that does happen. And he, like I said, he's getting a little concerned because he hasn't written really anything in three years. And we will see something from him in the future uh, soon because it's been yeah. a long time. And that's basically where the article ends. And you had and another had news item to talk about. Um, we should have ended on yours because mine is not on a lighter note. Oh. But um, recently the Romance Writers of America um, had their annual conference and there was some controversy over that because the there was a novel that got nominated for the Rita Award, which is the highest, which is the, the award that the Romance Writers of America hands out every year. Mm-hmm. It was called For Such a Time mm-hmm. by Kate Breslin. And it tells the story of a Jewish prisoner who ends up um, being rescued by a Nazi commandant and forced to be his personal secretary at the concentration camp Theresienstadt. I think and I've heard of this. Love, love ensues, apparently. Hmm. And um, it's supposed to be a retelling of the Book of Esther. Um, and there are there have been a lot of people. I the article I picked I thought was um, like had a pretty good take on it. Um, so that's what the, what will be in the show notes. But there a lot of romance writers are kind of upset with this because it like it it really does not say good things about like how how people feel about Jewish people. But like the subject of a Christian inspirational romance, which this was published mm-hmm. by Christian, you know, inspirational romance publishing house is like this, like appropriating this, like this whole Jewish story. It's not like the Holocaust is something like, you know, we're certainly, um, we certainly weren't there, but it's not, but it's still within living memory for some people. Um, so it's not like this ancient thing, like, hmm. you know, the crusades or whatever that, mm-hmm. so, um, they're, I feel like they're kind of rightfully offended um, because it is kind of like, why did you do this? Huh. Um, so the the book didn't win the the awards, but it was just like one of those things where where you know, like a lot of people in the romance community are like, why was this even on the table in the first place? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I, like maybe you can, and and it's been really like I've been reading about this for a while since it came out, and apparently, like I mean, it's not the first. Uh, story about a German like soldier and a Jewish person you know falling in love or whatever but you know he was the he was the Nazi commandant it's not like he was like Mm -hmm. Joe Schmo (laughs) random German guard he was like right he was the man you know yeah Yeah. so you know it's like people are wondering how that could possibly be uh, you know it's not like you get to be a Nazi commandant by being dismissive of the whole thing mm-hmm. um so it's you know there's lots of questions about how how you can make that sort of character into a romantic hero and uh so yeah it's been and the publisher kind of issued a statement that 
said something like, we're sorry you're all offended. <laughs> Which a lot of people didn't feel like that went far enough. So yeah, Nazi, hmm. Nazi, Nazi romance. romance. Hmm. I'll have to. I think I'll skip check it. it out. <laughs> I don't know. I, I might skip it though because I'm not really into the whole Holocaust thing. And the last book about the Holocaust that I read was like it took me a month to finish it because it was just, you know, you can only take so much at a time. Yeah, yeah. And since both of us are kind of in a place right now where we don't, <laughs> it's not the place where I want my light and fluffy right reads exactly. To go. <laughs> so I think I'll skip it. Um, meanwhile, let's talk about a lighter and potentially fluffier read, our homework for this month, which was Laddie by Gene Stratton Porter. Um, and it's about a little girl told from the point of view of a little girl, the youngest child in a pioneer family in Indiana, who, um, basically idolizes her older brother and works to try and get his love life worked out to her satisfaction. Uh, to get, you know, hit the way that he wants it and the way that she wants it. And um, I thought it was a very uh, cute and sensitively written book. It It is a very cute and sensitively written book. If um, a bit long. It, it, it was a bit long. Um, I I did have a couple of issues with it. I, I think I would read more by her. I'm not sorry we read this book, but it was... Um, for me, it, it was... I, I think I was expecting something that it that it that this book very definitely wasn't. Um, so you know it's one of those things like I say you know I can't really fault the author for not writing the book I wanted her to write. But <laughs> well, talk a little bit more about book. that. I mean, what what did you want to see? So I guess I wanted um, my my first the first thing I I thought was that it, I thought it was a little heavy handedly preachy. Um, I would have liked a little bit more subtlety there, but it's like, you know, she kept quoting hymns at me. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I, I was bothered by the fact that like the major antagonist is, um, who seems to be the father of the girl that Laddie's wanting to be with. And, you know, the major problem that he has, gasp, is that he's an atheist <laughs> and, um, I'm not an atheist myself, but I don't, I'm not Christian either. Um, and I never thought that, that he was a terribly bad person. He certainly was, a, was kind of an unpleasant individual at times, but, um, it just felt very like, man, I want them to stop judging this guy. Like, you know, they need to, they, they needed, like, if they were so, so concerned about being, you know, pious and charitable, then they, they could have been a little nicer to him a little mm-hmm. earlier than they were. Mm-hmm. However, he could have been nicer to them too. He, he could have been, yeah, like, you know, it was, mean, there was a whole... There was whole, a whole give and take there. Been. But yeah, I see what you're saying. It, it just really was like, well, so, you know, these people I'm supposed to be spending spending time with in this world, like, would they look at me and, and think, oh, you know, there's somebody that's <laughs> clearly, clearly misguided. And, um... So, and I also would have liked for it to have been a little more of sister, a little sister's own story. Um, I felt like she was kind of the, like she instigated a lot of changes, but I didn't really feel like she, um, I mean, obviously like the story was mostly about how awesome her brother was. And um, he was admittedly a very awesome character, Um, but I would have liked I like I'm wondering if maybe I would like one of the one of the other sort of romantic books that she's written since then 
um, where it looks a little bit more like the character that narrates the book. <laughs> it gets to be the one that has yeah, the Yeah, I think you'd probably like Girl of the Limberlost because that actually, I mean, it's mostly about the person who narrates the book. Um, yeah, and yeah. so and I, I think I wanted like like you probably yeah, like that one. I just to be I, more. I, I see what you're saying because I did too. I mean, I kind of it got to the point where for me it just was a little too long because like I figured it. You know, I know where this is going. He's gonna get the girl, and that's kind of what it's about. And little sister's not really telling much of her own, you know, doings and. Um, you know, talking about how she's growing up and what's happening to her. And I'm just kind of bored because I, I know what the outcome's going to be. Um, and I felt the same way when I first read the book. It was kind of like, okay, it's good. And he's an awesome character. And the other brother, Leon, is just hysterical and, and funny. And it's yeah, good I to wanted, read about their exploits. I wanted more about Leon. But I'm getting bored, you know? Yeah. I, so like, I would have. I want to, I wanted more about Leon and I wanted, um, like it just, I don't know, like the fact that little sister and Laddie are both characters that like, that is clearly not the name. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to know their either. real names too. I, I don't know why that bothered me, but it I bothered just, me like, too. <laughs> but well, tell us what, what I know. <laughs> and it, so, it, and it like, I, I read that it was semi-autobiographical. Like she was the youngest of a family of a dozen children and, mm-hmm. and um, I feel like that maybe didn't put me off exactly but I, I kept like raising my eyebrows at it because like the whole what what the the arc she does get in the story is like oh little sister let's appreciate her because <laughs> <laughs> she does all these cool things and we she, just constantly have says, to be reminded she says the right she says the right thing at the right time and it makes us all real like reevaluate our life choices and it felt very like wishful filly and I was like yeah. so at least you could give her a name mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. even if you called her Geneva which was the, which is the author's first name like right <laughs> like at least it would have been something <laughs> right there you go so um yeah I think a kind of like mixed reaction to the book it was kind of it was good it had a lot of good description and very nicely written, but I, I was a little bit bored, and I think you were a little bit put off by some of the preachiness. Um, so, kind of mixed reactions with that. But, yeah, you know, it that's did okay. make me hungry, though. At I know, my God, some of the food they were talking about. I was like, oh, I am so <laughs> hungry, and I would have to stop and eat, eat something yes. like an apple or, you know, something because it made me hungry, especially when they were talking about Christmas and oh, what they were having uh-huh. for Christmas, and I was like, oh, the, you know. The tables were groaning under all this food. And I'm like, oh, I want this food. Um, But, uh, you know, oh, well, I can't make it like they can make it. So, (laughs) no, No, but it it, reminded me of like the Laura Ingalls Wilder books in that way, too. Yeah, it did. It did. All the food. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, with that down, um, let's talk about our next book, our next homework. Um, this is called Sisters in Crime by Marilyn Wallace, and we have not read, for book orders, a collection of short stories. And so I thought it was time to branch out a little bit and, and read one. Um, now, this is not about women who commit crimes, but women who solve crimes. So a collection of short stories by various authors, uh, including Sue Grafton, who, of course, we all know, um, and... Uh, a bunch of others. They're about, I think, and there are about twenty stories in here. Yeah, um, it looks like they're like 
a really good. I think there might have been a Sarah Paretsky. I think there, there was, and and that makes me happy. Um, it's rated four point five out of five stars, which is you know a kind of good thing. Uh, Sue Grafton and uh, Sarah Paretsky are at least two of the authors that are in the book, and they're not. Um, I don't think there's anything. I think they're all pretty much from this century. Well. The, ni- the 20th century. The 20th century. Um, yeah, this book is like about yeah, 20 years old, I it's think. It's about 20 years old. So, um, and a little bit of mystery reading for the uh, for the listeners and for us this month. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, all of that said, if you have any reading suggestions for us, uh, we did get a couple last month. Um, if you have any reading suggestions for us, you may send them to us via any of our methods of contact, which include bhapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, at Book Hoarders on, on Twitter. Um, bhapodcast.com. You can post comments on our blog. Um, and or you could tweet us personally. Um, I am Aaron Edgar on Twitter. And I am at Bardsong on Twitter. B-A-R-D-S-O-N-G, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and how is your uh, flight into fantasy blog coming along? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not so much. <laughs> All right. So we, you know, won't refer people to that. But um, if you want to send us any suggestions, please feel free to do so via the methods that we mentioned. And if you just want to comment about our podcast and ways in which we can make it better or things you would like to see happen, uh, please uh, also use those methods as well. Yes. Um, and we will be <laughs> back next month. Hopefully we won't, we won't take quite so long this next time between podcasts. Yeah, I hope not. So <laughs> mid-September, look for another book orders somewhere around in there. Uh, and then and... it'll be time for our like September, Ooh. October long horror. Yeah, it'll be it'll time be... for a Halloween pick. Yeah. So and if you all, and it gets to be hers. So if you have any suggestions for Shannon uh, for the Halloween pick, you can either email us or tweet Bard Song or Book Orders on Twitter with those. Uh, and until then, we will simply say bye. Bye, everyone. To contact the book hoarders, send email to bhapodcast at gmail.com. Follow Book Hoarders on Twitter. And visit the website at bhapodcast.com. Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi, Shannon. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi, Aaron. Aaron.